careful with it, would you? And, uh, bye. Thanks for saving me from the Chuck Norris marathon with the snack run, Carly. No problem. Don't get me wrong. Sharing a motel room with him after a hunt is an awesome way to celebrate. But the man's choice in movies is iffy, even on a good day. What about mine? Digging into the law was not my idea of downtime after we cleaned out that nest. I'm coming back with nothing even remotely close to natural in it. Besides, you know I'm itching to take the wheel without your Mr. Backseat Driver in his comments. What? Someone's by the car. Of course. The one time he parks a mile away from the rooms. Really, Sandra? That's what you're going with for weapons? Well, Dean never uses them. Because throwing stars are as good of an idea as those films he makes you sit through. Oh, put the demon blade away. It's our old partner in crime. Hey, I guess you're wanting to tag along again? Well, come on in before Sam turns on the puppy dog eyes and makes me cave and bring him a salad, which I'm not going to do. I'm not a kale delivery system. All right. Well, you know Dean's house rules in baby. Driver picks the music, shotgun shuts his cake hole, and the ones in the back enjoy the ride, idling in the Impala. Hope you like meatloaf. For a snack? Music. Sandra. Music. Welcome to Idling in the Impala, a podcast by and for lovers of Supernatural and the fanfiction it inspires. I'm Sandra, and you'll be hearing from Carly in just a little bit. The previous episode was part one of our family theme discussion, where we focused on the family you come from. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the family that you make. We hope you enjoy. No, I'm I'm the same with the sort of a very few, select few people um and of course that that ties into like the family that you make you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. the family the family you come from blood doesn't make family mm-hmm. for me it it just it just doesn't it's just it's just a circumstance isn't it you mm-hmm. know yeah yeah so it's just but i mean i suppose the family you choose doesn't have to be blood if you reject your blood family, you don't have to reject all of them, mm-hmm. I suppose would be my thing. Because I, I have blood family that I have all the time in the world for, you yeah. know? And I have blood family. I would put the phone down if someone told me they died, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's mostly my mum's sister. I'd be like, mm-hmm. has she? Oh, right. All right. Click. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get on. Can you tell? Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we don't get on. But I think, um, I think a really good example from the supernatural perspective, I mean, y'all know what I'm going to say. It's it's Bobby, isn't it? It's Bobby. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. hands, hands down. Mm-hmm. It's Bobby. And what what really sticks out to me is, um, I think it's, I think it's uh, the Dream Root episode, episode where he faces down his own dad. I think it's the Dream Root episode. Oh, no, you know which one that is? That's, that's when he was 
dying. That's the, oh um, no, was it the death store one? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want it to be that one. I yeah, wanted it that to be was the other one. one. No, because I think that Dream Root one. I think that was his wife. <sighs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh the fucking and episode. that's like, oh my god that episode that episode yeah. yeah 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 but like him him sort of standing up to his own dad and you know maybe echoing some of the things you said a little while ago about choosing not to have children mm-hmm. for your own you know your own reasons your own childhood and upbringing and stuff and him saying the same I was so scared of becoming you I didn't I didn't yeah. have kids god <laughs> then you know I I had these two boys and they've grown up fucking awesome yeah. and yeah you know it's it's that it's it's family it's family you choose mm-hmm. you know it's life's hard okay mm-hmm. like it's fucking hard it's hard when it's not covid it's hard yeah. when you know europe's not trying to go to war with each other mm-hmm. it's just think back to 2019 before the world imploded it was still mm-hmm. fucking hard yeah. you know your bills are still need to pay in and you people had mental health issues and the world was mm-hmm. still kind of fucked Mm-hmm. it's hard surround yourself with people who pick you up mm-hmm. that's all that's all it has to be you know you don't need to surround yourself with like motivational speakers or anything mm-hmm. like that you just need to surround yourself with people who when you go it's hard I'm struggling right now they come and they walk with you mm-hmm. and if you fall they pick you up yeah and it's you know it's that fucking easy yeah yeah. I mean, it's not because those people tend to be kind of hard to find. But, yeah, um, they are very few and far between, I think, especially, and it's harder to weed through all of all of the nonsense and the the mm-hmm. opportunists and and what what are you here to give me for? Yeah, Bobby was just there, right? Like he was there, and he wasn't just there for the boys. Like that's like you you realize how much he was there for you know, all of the hunters that, you know, he, w- mm-hmm. he was that support system for a lot of people, but in particular, you know, with, with Dean and Sam, um, he was yeah, that I mean- father figure that they really did need. And again, it was so, they didn't need to lose him again, but again, you know, they, they, they lost that, um, that part. Yeah. Was so wrong. <laughs> still I, where so it was, st- I'm still mad about it today. Mm-hmm. I'm still, we're just like fucking guys they couldn't have one thing though yeah. really one thing yeah. just one thing thank you yeah. but yeah like even you know it's the stories from the boys perspective and that's what we see it but when you think like you think bobby and i think of all those phones on the wall because anybody can go here phone my supervisor and he's just like yeah what and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter you know mm-hmm. he'll he's got your back no matter what you might be doing mm-hmm. and he's he's collected all that law and he's you know he's he's probably collected most of it for himself but then he's not shy with the information and mm-hmm. he'll go and he'll look and he'll you know mm-hmm. I think he would have been a good dad yeah no he would have been but again like you said like he he found a way you know to do all of those things for others that made him you know a, a great dad just not not by not by blood um I, I was in my, one of my previous um, existences in my career, I was a, um, I was an instructor at a nonprofit and I worked in a computer lab with kids and like, we're talking hundreds, like over probably over 18 years. Like I'm sure I've like 
worked with like a thousand kids over, you know, oh, no, over that's the too course. Many <laughs> and, no. you know, my thought process and a lot of people would like come in and would see me like, oh, you, you're, you're so great with these kids. You must have kids of your own. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you, but you know, you want them, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, no, I, I, I don't, but because I knew what I could do. I guess, within the context of a certain situation. And again, like Mm -hmm. you were talking and mentioning Bobby, that's, I think he probably knew what his limitations were if he was only, if he was still dealing with his own bull, you know, his own bullshit and everything. Like he, he knew what he could or couldn't, couldn't do. Um, That would be healthy and good for a kid. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. What was I about to say? Oh yeah, no, I, I remembered. In like um sort of in a in a in a similar vein, we we talked about this quite recently. I can't remember what it what it came up with. Um, but there's a I don't I don't know, I don't know if it's but it's it's not true, but some of it is true. There's sort of like a like a, a myth or a, a quoted piece of like real life law that's like every se- seven years, every cell in your body is new mm. um and it's like like that's not true because you don't make new brain cells you mm-hmm. make a finite number of brain cells and then that's it but, mm-hmm. but that's how much brain you have and i yeah. think like cells like very very deep in in your digestive system and stuff maybe similar to your brain don't renew or whatever mm-hmm. and if they get damaged that's it mm-hmm. um because you know if they could renew we wouldn't have like um Crohn's disease or, mm-hmm. or anything like that but yeah. still for the, for the majority of things like that's that's mostly true um like shedding your skin almost in a way yeah like that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and it sort of tends to be floated around in a um in a like oh how how nice it will be to one day have a body that you've never touched like talking about an ex and stuff and um mm-hmm. coming from a reasonably traumatic relationship that brings me a lot of comfort but also that helps me with my kid, mm-hmm. especially my oldest now. He's 10. So mm-hmm. if that's true, if that's true, there's no part of him now that is the same kid that I made mm-hmm. all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And that feels like it feels like being comforted by that should be wrong. Like I should be like, no, my baby, no. But it it brings me a lot of comfort because it helps me draw the line and remind myself that he's his own person and he doesn't owe me anything. Yeah. Cause I, I never want to get caught up in the same kind of, even, you know, even like little things like, Oh, you need to go to college and you need to go to university and you need to get a good job and have a good life. You know, it's still an expectation. It's still pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think knowing having, having that boundary and thinking, you know, there's no part of that kid that's what I made anymore. Even like even his brain, mm-hmm. you know, like he's he's probably still got the brain cells he had when he was born, but he's got trillions more of them now that he's made. Yeah, you know, this it's not my brain anymore. It's his brain. And his opinions aren't going to always line up with yours. As you know, things are going to be different. He's going to have his own set of thoughts, and his experiences mm-hmm. are going to reflect differently as he gets older he's not going to you know do things the way you would do them and that's okay and that's so hard for some parents to 
understand. And again, I don't think it comes from a bad place, but it comes from, well, this is always the way it was. This is what I know and not choosing to push beyond Mm. that. And that's, I think, and I know at some point we'll talk about fate, free will and all that, but I think it all ties together into that, right? Like it's just, um, it's just a part of, do you repeat the past or do you learn from it? Sometimes the past is fine. Sometimes there's no reason. Like if you repeat the past, sometimes I think it's not a big deal, but you should be learning, should be constantly evolving, should be constantly changing. Um, Mm -hmm. And you should be okay with other people to do that too. Like I said, I just think some people just dig in their heels and are like, nope, this is what's worked for me. Even if yeah, it doesn't so work for you, doesn't matter. This is the way you're I'm doing do it. it wrong. Yeah. This is how it should be. And I think having um having a parent who was who was a boomer, my mum was born in 62. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that qualifies. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's the right one. I think a lot of that generation of parents, what had worked for them, you know, go get a job and and put yourself through college and it costs like fucking 10 quid. And then you get out and you have a degree and you'll go on to make six figures in like five years and you'll be able to buy 17 houses and 35 cars and retire at 21 and your life is going to be so perfect. And then what happened was they fucked the economy for the rest of us. So, but I think like the, the sort of the pushes that they gave towards their children, towards the next generation, um, you know, my generation told millennials, um, I don't think a lot of it came from a bad place. I think, it came from them seeing their success and wanting that for us, but not realizing that their success came at the cost of fucking everything else. Yeah. Like, yeah, you you went to college for the price of a chocolate bar and mm-hmm. now you've ruined it for everybody, yeah. okay? Yeah. You. Nobody, nobody gets that anymore. You fucked it, okay? Yeah, different time period, um, different era, different different circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, yeah. a, Gen, I'm a Gen X and it's like, you know, things were... These are so much different. <laughs> These are so much different. And mm-hmm. yeah. But I think, I think sort of looking, looking forward to the next generation, I think it's so much more important to impress on them that they should just be happy. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make enough money to pay your rent or your mortgage. Okay. But don't, don't live to work. Mm-hmm. You know, don't. Don't put every bit of yourself into a job. Be happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I I would love, like, I I want my kid to go to college. I want him to go to university. I want him to become an actor because he's fucking great. And I want him <laughs> to buy me a big house. I don't want him to be like, my mother always supported me. She is the best. I want to be in an Oscar speech one day. That's, that's, that's what I want for my boy. That's absolutely what I want. But and I acknowledge that that's not going to happen. Like I can dream, but that's not what's going to happen. But I, what I want for him is I, I never want him to sit on the edge of the bed and think, Jesus fucking Christ, I hate my life, you know. Or so worry that you know, let let him feel like it's okay to try. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to succeed. Sometimes you're going to fail. But don't ever, don't ever look back and say, Oh, I wish I had tried this, or I wish I had done yeah. that like don't live your life just day to day and feel that that's all there has to be and that you have to live in disappointment 24 yeah. 7 um it doesn't have to be grandiose it doesn't have to be 
amazing. It doesn't have to be jet setting. It just has to be something that you're comfortable with and you're good with, and you don't compare to everyone else around you all of the time. And my God, social media. I just, I feel so bad for kids growing up with social media. I didn't have that. You know what I mean? Like that was not a thing. We didn't start worrying about the internet until early nineties, mid nineties. And I would have been, I would have been even worse than I was. I don't even God, I, yeah. The bullying, I could just imagine how how much of that, you know, would have been a part of me growing up and I might not have even made it to be honest, like, you know, thinking about it now. And mm-hmm. don't do that too. Your kids are going to have so much more pressure outside of the world. Why reject them? Why not just embrace them, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm, I know we're like mm, about like the whole, like the prequel, the Winchesters, right? Because they're kind of just going to focus on, I think like John and Mary, like right before they got together, but why wouldn't you do something where, cause we know John, we know John's situation growing up. We know he thought he was abandoned by his father. Why not delve into stuff like that, like way back, you know, like that kind of stuff and how that made him who he was. It doesn't have to be like a big thing, but just like focus on the bits and pieces in a childhood that make that person make those choices and decisions. Then I don't know. It's just, it's so, it's just so interesting to me, like, you know, how much childhood affects you. And some people just think, oh, I just had to get through it, but then they don't really see all of the bits and pieces that Mm -hmm. make them the person that they are and that there's, if you want, if you feel there's the need to grow, change, evolve, be a better person, there's ways you can work on that. Um, Yeah. yeah, See, that's, that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point about John for me. Like, I don't know if I've made it clear people. (laughs) I fucking hate John Winchester. I love Jeffrey D. Morgan. I think he's a freaking amazing guy. Mm -hmm. He makes me ask questions about myself that I wish I didn't have to ask. <laughs> but I love him. Love him, love him, love him. John Winchester, I'd shoot that man in the face, mm-hmm. right? I fucking hate him. Like, mm-hmm. I hate him. Mm-hmm. They brought him back for that, that 300 episode. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, episode shitty. Did what you the see that? put in. Did when- you see what I sent you guys? That one thing I was like, in that episode, he apologized to Sam never yes. apologized to Dean. And I was just yes. like, and it's just like, you know, so yes, I, 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 I don't, I don't find anything redeeming about him, but I'd like to understand him more. I guess that's my thing. It's like, I want to, I want to understand where all of that, like really yeah. came from, you know, that kind of thing that, that to me, I find interesting, but I, I yeah. hate that. I hate what he did to yeah. Dean. I don't, I, I don't have, Dean. I don't have any, don't have any interest. interest. <laughs> I don't have any interest in getting to know what what made John the way he mm, was because yeah. there's one there's one thing that stands out for me one thing first of all that whole 300th episode should have been replaced y'all see that outtake you know where they it's it's the, the pearl, pearl isn't it yeah the mm-hmm. fish. and then at the end they smash it and there's the outtake where Jared clubs it a little bit and hits <laughs> Jeff in the dick 
<laughs> fucking J2, like the absolute children they are just on the floor dying. Just scrap the whole episode, replace it with that scene. Like repeat it like 50 <laughs> times. I'll laugh every time. Mm-hmm. But John thought that Henry Winchester abandoned him. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't going to do that. And he went and he grew up and he joined the Marines and he found Mary and they had Sam and Dean. And then Mary died. Okay. That's fucking awful. That's awful. You love of your life, your wife, the mother of your children. She's passed away. That's awful. And then what did he fucking turn around and do? He abandoned his kids straight back. He knew he grew up with the knowledge of what it's like to be abandoned by a father. And we don't know anything about John's mom, do we? We don't know. I think I feel like there's a flashback scene of him being tucked in and asking where his dad is. And she's like, oh, he's working late or something. I could have invented that. I don't know. But I, I, I could have invented that. But there's no there's nowhere explicitly that says John grew up without a mother. Just that. You know Henry what's interesting? In here's, a, thing. here's a thing that they I'm pretty sure that they mentioned. And I would I I think in I'm gonna Google it. Season four, when Dean goes back in time and he sees his dad at the counter in that diner, somebody comes up to John and says, oh, how's your dad doing at the garage? So then in reality, he had a, if this is canon, he had a stepfather. And Mm -hmm. I find that, again, I find that interesting. Like, I want to know, like, did you, did you make a mistake? (laughs) And then you retconned it later. And then you decided, no, John Winchester's, you know, going to have been a man of letters person or whatever, what, whatever the case is, if you, if you follow that thread, then he had a male, he had male influence. He had a male role model in his life. What was that? What was that like after? And did he do the same thing that then he imposed on Dean? Did he become that support system for his mom for so many years that, you know, until maybe she found another husband or whatever, like how, how much of that repeated itself, you know, like in John's in John's mind. And this is just what you do. Like, to me, that's like, I want to know that. Like, that's like, I want those bits and pieces. I, for me, I just, I want to know that to understand, oh, this is how he grew up. This is what he knew. This is just what he did. And this is what he imposed on Dean um, for whatever, for family. Cause that's what you do. Cause Dean says that a lot too. It's family. It's what you do. And I'm just like, I don't yeah, think. Right. Sam got that as much. You know what I mean? Growing up. No, he didn't. He didn't. Sammy was Sammy was the little angel, wasn't he? And Dean yeah. was the fucking... <laughs> no. But just for me, it's like... I mean, the, the, char- the character's nuanced as, as, all, as all people are. But for me, I'm like, you experienced abandonment as mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. But you still had a remaining parent. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was your kids lost one of their parents and then you fucking turn around and abandon them again. And we know it started young. We know mm-hmm. he would leave them with Bobby. He would leave them with Jim. Or by he would themselves. leave them with yeah. whoever while mm-hmm. he went off to do whatever. And then, like, in the pilot, in season one, I don't think it's ever stated that John knows that Dean went to pick Sam up. John went, I'm going on a trip, I'll be a few days. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I think he'd gone like three weeks before Dean went to go get Sam. Mm-hmm. And then he just 
doesn't fucking come back. Yeah. But it's never it's never stated whether he whether Dean calls him and tells him that he's got Sam with him or mm-hmm. anything. So mm-hmm. for for all we know as the audience, John just didn't come back and just didn't make contact again and potentially just left Dean all on his own. Mm-hmm. And all right, yeah, he's 22 and he knows how to make money. But that's not the point. Mm-hmm. He said he was coming back and then didn't. And then, yeah. you know, so I'm yeah. just like, I don't want to know shit about you because the that that's all I need to know. Mm-hmm. You had the opportunity to do better, mm-hmm. to be different, and you didn't. Yeah. And I'm not saying that losing your wife isn't horrific. I g- think I might top myself if I lost my husband. I genuinely do. Mm-hmm. As long as my children were grown up, of course. And then I'd be like, look, so this is what we're going to do. And I'd have that shit conversation. And then I'd be like, I love you both. Bye. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's easy. And I understand, of course, all this takes place in that, well, if John didn't do that, there wouldn't have been a story. And I get that. But I'm just like, fucking come on. Yeah. Really? Like, you fucking, you just turned around and repeated the cycle. Mm-hmm. And then you get to, you know, and then he's like, you know, like, even, even with Sam, Sam was like, oh, I'm going to go to college. And he could have fucking, like, you know, he could have been like, Oh, he's gonna be in college, and he's he's gonna be safe. And it's a good know? thing. It's a good thing that yeah. he gets out. Yeah, yeah. Even even if even if you were looking at it from the oh, well, let Sammy go and do his little thing, and let mm-hmm. let him have his little time off, and then he'll come back. You know, let's just let him do his thing. Yeah. Give him a bit of freedom, and he'll realize how shit the world is, and then he'll come back. Yeah. Even if that's what's going on in your head, to turn around and go, if you leave, don't come back because you being in my world like you doing as you're told is more important to me than your safety than your desires like what kind of a person like hunting sucks yeah Mm -hmm. like we all have to admit that so what kind of person is like yeah no definitely this is what I want my kids to do Mm -hmm. yeah I get beaten up every week and I like put myself on the line every week and you know I've killed friends a la Mm -hmm. Ellen, Ellen's husband, Joe's, Joe's dad, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've killed friends and I've done fucking despicable things. And I just, I fathered a whole other fucking kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And just didn't tell no fucker. And that kid, that kid got a nice normal upbringing. I just, fucking, I just hate John Winchester so much. I yeah, hate him that whole so Adam thing just makes much. him so, so not redeemable in, in any way, shape or form, especially. And you see like, you see how much that devastates Dean, you know, too, when he hears that. And yeah, I mean, if it was good enough for, for Adam, you know, to have this life, why wasn't it good enough for Sam? And again, I know they're supposed to be like, when did he know all that he knew about what was going to happen to Sam? But then at that point, don't you tell the child, don't you let him know, don't you give him the information to empower himself and make that decision. Like, okay, maybe Mm -hmm. I need to know these things because it is going to be dangerous for me out there. And maybe I wouldn't necessarily just want to run away. Maybe I'd want to learn more about what's going on and I can help you if I'm given the information and the ability to act like an adult, if you're putting all of these other responsibilities on me. Same thing for Dean, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. only little bits and pieces of information to keep them under his control, you know? And again, it's, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah. That's, 
I get I get that sense with John that like being in control was more important to him than anything else. Mm-hmm. But just like the whole like, especially the thing with Adam, it makes me question. Like I question him as a parent anyway. Like mm-hmm. he's a garbage. You're a garbage human being, John. Dying a fire. Are you fucking made it to heaven. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Just fucking no. Like it's just no. But then like he looked like the Adam thing. It makes me question if if you know Azazel hadn't have happened and the fire hadn't have happened and it had all gone down and they'd grown up normally. I get the feeling maybe he wouldn't have been a very good dad anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, because like when Dean talks about being little, his memories are all of his mum. Mm-hmm. Um mum singing hey jude and mum making me the soup and mum doing this mm-hmm. and mum doing that and there's mm-hmm. never like oh you know playing playing football with my dad or john john doesn't come into it even after he died yeah there's never like any reminiscing about oh life with john before everything went to fuck and then you you look at adam and like you know there was obviously we don't know the whole situation but there was maybe maybe the possibility for a life there you know yeah he could have chosen to find a relationship with someone who was aware that he had two other sons and you know have have another kid and mm-hmm. and whatever but he didn't he was just interested in fucking and when that fucking made a kid well he showed up on a birthday that's and a he year. took it to football yeah. matches that's you what know? he could do yeah that was that was yeah. the most, that was the extent of it yeah but i don't i don't even think it's that's what he could do he was all over the country you know I'd like oh it's I just a, it's mean a choice with, yeah with, within his emotional whatever his emotional capacity mm. is that's yeah what I yeah mean. like yeah because because he, yeah. he couldn't if he couldn't do enough for you know the kids he was quote-unquote almost with most of the time how was he going to even like bother or, or, or give anything more than that to to another yeah another kid you were talking so about like, Mary too, but go ahead, finish finish that one. No, I was just like, I I completely I completely understand Dean's you know total outrage. Like, oh, he took you to football matches and fucking took <laughs> us to football matches and stuff. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at it through through those eyes, like I get it, and I get you know like Dean was so angry where Sam was just like, nah, because Sam didn't know what it was like to yeah. have an inv- any involved parent. Yeah, but when you when you sort of draw back and you you look at the the sort of wider scope, I think John just might have been shit at dad. Yeah, like that just you know like it's <laughs> there's the boys and everything he did with the boys, but then like you can almost see he had a second chance with Adam. Yeah, always see he had a second chance, and he still still didn't step up, still left it to somebody else. You yeah. know. Yeah. So. I fucking hate John Winchester. That's that's the long and short of my run. Well, that's- I'll I'll add to it in that um when we were talking, you're talking a little bit about Mary. I mean, it's kind of obvious as the as the series went on that, you know, he made their relationship out to be sunshine and roses, and you get glimpses of again. So this is where like both parents had a lot of stuff to work through. And I think there's, you know, there's reason to say that, you know, Mary kind of, again, withheld a lot of stuff too, as to what was going on for, for, for pretty much ever. Um, But the emotional burden that I think Dean felt, even with his mom, like if there was problems with dad, he would comfort his mother. He would be that 
again, that support, that almost partner. And I, I almost do wonder, like, let's say, let's say John had, let's say they hadn't made it. Like, let's say Mary and John couldn't make things worse, uh, work out after that one fight. I think it's, it's when they're in heaven and he's Dean's like, you know, saying it's okay, mom, dad still loves you. But what if he didn't come back? Would then Dean just have through his own nature, you know, have been that support, have been that partner for his mom, Mm. you know? And it's like, I, I think he had that in him and then Mary John not took advantage, but maybe to a certain extent, like, oh, well, he's ready to step up and do whatever it takes for, for family to make family work. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel so bad for Dean. I love that character so much. He just gives me, he just, just gives me all the, all the feels. We talk about wanting to make the boys feel better. And it's just, I, I think a part of it is wanting to make us feel better. So we, mm-hmm. we reflect that back on a character that that we know yeah. should be treated differently by all of the circumstances and situations and people in their lives. And it's, um, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to, to think about with, with them. But I mean, what are your thoughts on, on Mary? Um, Cause I know, I mean, like she had a lot to work through, you know, like when she came back or whatever, but I still get mad at her for right leaving them again. You know, and I understand she had her own stuff, but my God, do you know how much your sons invested their lives in you, in the thought of you, in the hope of you, in what you meant to them? And then I got to take care of my own shit. I have to go. I hate that scene. I hate that when she leaves, like it's only like three or four episodes into the season when she comes back and seeing Dean just draw back, you know, and just like turn that one way. And I feel that in my, I feel Mm -hmm. all that hope just drop in his stomach and be like, Oh, here's another parent. I can't rely Rely on on. for anything. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of Mary Winchester as a character. Um, you know, like we don't know what kind of mum she was to Dean when when she was little or anything, but certainly, certainly when she came back, um, nah, I'm not here for it. I mean, like the whole show could just you get the tagline for the show could be "We need therapy, y'all." Like, like just be like super. <laughs> never mind hunting people, uh, saving people, hunting things. Hunting things. <laughs> Supernatural. We need therapy, yo. Like the whole tagline of the show could be that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, it's sort of like go, going back to my own experience. Dean, Dean needed, Dean needed his mom he needed that support he needed an adultier adult you know mm-hmm. he'd been carrying that fucking he'd been carrying the weight of the family since he was four mm-hmm. you know and I know I know he had Bobby I know he had Bobby but I feel like there was a lot of a lot of emphasis put on blood family mm-hmm. you know so I think maybe he would have even subconsciously drawn a distinction between family and 
Bobby. Oh, I think he did in the beginning. I think the first few seasons you see that and you see that growth and that change. Cause I think a couple of times he's like, really, he stung Bobby hard by saying, you're not my, I think he said it once, like, you're not my dad or something like that. And I think that, mm-hmm. that, that crushed Bobby for a bit, but then he like, you know, he did what he needed to do. And he, he set Dean straight um, in like, yeah, you know, like a minute. <laughs> That's that scene. That scene at the start of at the start of season three when he's like, "What could I do, Bobby? He's, he's my brother." Mm-hmm. And that the the now iconic family doesn't end with blood, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I think certain certainly in the beginning, Dean had Dean had drawn a distinction, and maybe maybe by the time Bobby died, the, it wasn't there anymore. Yeah. But then that's that's another parent that he's lost, and he needed mm-hmm. he needed that adult year adult. He needed more and then she was just like yeah well sucks to be you doesn't it and it's just like I feel that I feel like fucking reaching out and just being like Jesus Christ help me and being Mm -hmm. told maybe fine you know just deal with it suck it up I fucking hate they're very similar though right like I mean I really do feel like you could put and not John in terms of being like an awful parent but I think John's stubbornness and Sam's stubbornness and very I think we've talked about this, like that laser focus, I think. And I think Dean shares that too with John, but I almost feel like if you were going to put them into pots or circles, like I think you could say John and Sam maybe have similar personalities and then uh, Mary and Dean, I think similar personalities. Um, And Mary's again, like I, I, I I want to under like like it's understanding, but like I get it. Like you you've spent heaven with you know your little boys, and now all of a sudden you've got grown and you're you're going through your own your own PTSD. But work on it with the family. Don't run. Well, no, she she runs away a lot, so maybe she's maybe she's more like Sam. So maybe maybe John and Dean are. I, I don't know. I think I go back and forth with that a lot. But again, like you said, yeah. there's different points in time when they could be more like one parent than the other um but you know i think sam sam and john certainly have very similar it's my way or the highway Mm -hmm. kind of attitudes where i think dean's a little bit more like he's gonna bitch and moan about it but i think he's a little bit more willing to compromise like he's gonna tell you it's a dumb idea yeah he's gonna tell you always fucking wrong (laughs) but he's telling you it behind the wheel of the car driving to your bad idea to do it with you (laughs) You know, like this is a stupid fucking idea, and you're gonna get us all killed. But, but okay, I mean, fine. <laughs> you know, whereas I think, like, you look at, you look at the times in the show when when the boys separated, and it's to the best of my knowledge, I think it's always Sam that that walks away. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't remember a point where Dean was like, "Now nah, you know yeah. what, fuck you." I don't think so. I don't. I. I mean, if there is, it's. It's not something I can immediately think about. Like I, I, I think it's always been Sam saying mm-hmm. he needs a break or he needs to, he needs to think about it or he can't, you know. And where, yeah. well, no, there's, there's one time the, ooh, it's around the first blade time. I oh, think that doesn't Sam, count though. Yeah, but Sam, but yeah, demon Dean leaves, doesn't Dean count. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't count. He was a demon. That's that 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 doesn't count. No, no, like, no, no, no. I mean, um, oh no, there's one time where he's he's done something and it's before that. And they're on um Is it after uh, he slaughters that that whole whole house of people? It might be. 
or maybe it's before then. I don't know, but there's one time, but it's still not quite the same thing. You know, it's like, he's leaving because he feels guilty again. Big surprise (laughs) about something. (laughs) Whereas I think like Sam's a little bit more like Sam, if, if Jess hadn't have died, I think Sam would have, would have walked away without a second glance. Oh yeah. You know, I think, I think he would have just gone back to his life at Stanford and been like, Hey, that was a fun weekend with my brother. Yeah. We drove yeah. around. We, we lied to the police. We murdered the spirit, you know, so mm-hmm. fell, Dean fell in the river. Ha ha. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely think he would have, he would have walked away without a second glance. And I think maybe, maybe they would have, he would have lied to himself and been like, I'll keep in touch. I'll text, I'll call, you know, we've, and it didn't, we've yeah. rekindled and it would have just fallen by the wayside again. But I think like Sam's like, well, my, you know, my college, <laughs> my girlfriend's dead and, and I'm, I'm not going to pass the LSAT now. Or he passed the LSAT. He was going for his uh, law school interview, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm, that's not going to pan out now, is it? So, Supposed to go back in the car with my brother, and he's like, he's just like, I don't know. He's just like, he's fine to go along with it until he hits his limit, and then it's it's his way or no way. Yeah. And if he does it doesn't get his own way, then that's it. Like I'm thinking, thinking really early on in season one, um, with blonde Meg, blonde mm-hmm. Meg, mm-hmm. where they fight and he gets his stuff out of the car and he walks back to the 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 um he's hitchhiking and he get he meets up with her again in the bus station mm-hmm. like he was like oh fuck you i'm leaving mm-hmm. i'm going oh, wow he was going back to los angeles uh, california or something yeah and dean was like i will leave your ass and he's like yeah all right mm-hmm. whatever you know but it's just like it was dean didn't want to do what he wanted to do and there was no compromise he was like all right bye yeah you know dean was think- never his first choice for a really long time and i think that's what hurts yeah i think you know seeing that relationship is that dean would have dean really would have done so much for him no matter what and i think sold 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 yeah you know was was gonna say yes to michael still mm-hmm. done, done, done a lot done a lot of things for sam and sam's just sam's just like do you know do you know what do you know what it is do you know what it is you know what it is sam's just got classic youngest kid syndrome yeah, because you're hard. Mm-hmm. You're hard as fuck on the first one because you've got time and you've yeah. got energy and you're like, no, these are the rules. And, and you make all strict. the mistakes with the first one too. But then you kind of yeah. make mistakes with the other, with the youngest one too, because you do the complete opposites. Like you guys don't really like figure out the, <laughs> yeah. the middle ground. But like like <laughs> with the with the first one, with the first one, you're fucking keen. You're on it. You're you're not tired. Like you've got time and energy to invest mm-hmm. in these arguments. And with the second one. <laughs> you're tired you're like no we don't eat cereal it upstairs and then you stick to that for like about five minutes and then you're like jesus fucking eat cereal upstairs whatever just fine go so the Mm. second kid gets away with so much more and it's just a facet of parenting right yeah but i think it's drawn to such an extreme here Mm -hmm. sam's sam's sam doesn't get told no does he Mm. sam doesn't get nobody tells sam no you know, yeah. Dean spent his whole life giving into him. Mm-hmm. And then I think, like, being told no about going to Stanford, and he was like, oh, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Thinking that Dean or John would would come back and come after him. And, you know, obviously, John's there with that same stubborn streak of it's my way, the highway, fuck you, get out. Mm-hmm. And poor Dean in the middle, like, I'd, mm, <laughs> I'd, mm, mm, fine, you know? 
so I think I think that's what it is just Sam is used to being told no like Sam got to eat his cereal upstairs and Mm -hmm. smush fucking jam into the carpet and ride the dog and Sam got to be the asshole that all second born kids get to be because you're tired and just don't care anymore yeah Yeah. you know so I think I think that's 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 a factor of it Mm -hmm. for sure yeah Mm. I love this. We started out like, and this is family therapy with family and Sandra. And then we're like, and now we've established our families. Here is what we think about this, this family. And fucking honestly, there could be the tagline for the whole show, supernatural. We need therapy, yo. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just. Oh man. Yeah. I've had this thing for so long, been waiting for the perfect moment to use. Okay, beautiful. You be guy, mother. This next fic recommendation comes from the author on AO3 known as The Pre-Experience. So I'm just going to say flat out, I am sorry for recommending such an extremely long piece of fiction, but this is one of the first supernatural fanfics that I ever read, and I really enjoyed the spin the take on the wild idea of and it's not as wild anymore because I've actually read more fictions based off of this idea of baby the impala turning into a real person so this fiction is called under the hood and it's actually the first part of I believe it's four or five fictions that all kind of run together It's very long in total. The entire series comes in at just under 200,000 words. I'm not sure how long Under the Hood is. Uh, The way the author has grouped it all together, all of these different parts of the series are all in one document. So we're talking 88 chapters. So again, um, apologies. I just really loved the storyline for Under the Hood. And you can read the first one as a standalone. But if you get caught up in the storyline, you'll probably want to read the rest. It's going to depend. I'll read a little bit about just the, the fic in general. It's rated explicit. Archive warnings. There are graphic depictions of violence and there is major character death. Category, female, male, multi. Um, Relationships, Dean Winchester slash human Impala. Sam Winchester slash Becky Rosen. That's where it's going to get a lot of people, I'm sure. And then just um, the actual name of the human Impala is Pala, which for some reason I really like, Um, just as a side note, because that name relates to something in real life for me. Additional tags, (laughs) they're actually just kind of really based just solely on this author. Uh, Multiple books in one, repost, revival. Here we go again. I wish I knew how to quit you. 
Where does it end, Paolo? When will I have my life back? Please love my fictional family as much as I do. And that kind of tugged at me a little bit because I know how it feels when you write characters and um, you want someone to read them and just love them as much as you do. Okay, so here's the summary. Um, and I'll probably, yeah, I'll just read all the summaries. Summary for Under the Hood, Into the Heart, A Love Story of Motor Oil and Telepathy. Dean loves the Impala, and she, she loves him. When baby unexpectedly turns human, that love will change into something neither ever planned for. And the second part is called The Hunter's Rose, A Love Story of Second Chances and Changes. Becky Rosen learned her lesson after almost selling her soul to a demon and has spent the last three years helping hunters do their job, even if she's stuck to the sidelines. When Sam Winchester shows up on her front porch with his sick brother, they'll both realize how much they've changed. Then the next one is Beyond the Steel, a love story of innocence and desire. Dean is losing himself to the mark, and he needs Pala more than ever. A run-in with a genie and an unspoken wish leads to the unexpected. The next part is Into the Shallows, a love story of loose ends and fears to be faced. Becky lost a good friend and nearly lost her life because a man died on her watch. It's time to tie up loose ends. Will Becky face her fears or will she drown? The last one is Suffer the Brand, a love story of influence and devotion. Dean searches for his wife Paula as she cuts a path of destruction across the country. Notes. Starting at any point after the Winchester brothers find the bunker, Under the Hood is an AU that doesn't reference much past a swan song and generally disregards canon unless canon suits its purpose. There are five books that are tightly woven together, but the first installment, Under the Hood, Into the Heart, can be read as a standalone. You may have read this story upon its initial release in April 2015, so if this seems familiar, that's why. I'll attempt to move on to something new eventually, but let us be honest, I can't quit this family. Right, they write, thank you for being here. Here we go again. I don't really have a lot of other information on this author. They've written two supernatural fictions, one Walking Dead, one The Magicians. So again, I totally get if um, this is too much for anyone in terms of recommendation. Uh, but I will read the prologue just because I really do, I really do love it. Um, I was just so taken by this when I first read it. Prologue. At first she's just a car and she has no knowledge of it. No thoughts, no feelings. She is exactly as she appears. As Sal Moriarty makes his trips and passes out his Bibles, she's only cold steel. John Winchester buys her and she starts to wake up. Not sentient but no longer just four tires and a frame. Somehow she starts to have moments of clarity. She learns how to watch the family she belongs to. Her first memory is of Mary Winchester's eyes, staring into the visor's mirror to check a flawless face. They call her the Impala, and she has a title, a purpose, but no name. She remembers Dean's ride home from the hospital, her first look at the tiny face. Seeing him through her window panes, Something happens that she doesn't understand. It takes her years to figure it out, but the first time she feels is the first time she sees Dean. She feels protective, experiences affection. By the time Sam is born, she's starting to figure things out. She can think, though she shouldn't. 
feels though she can't. She's aware of what she is, knows that what she's capable of isn't normal. But Sam's chubby arms and Dean's excitement at having a baby brother stirs things in her. And she doesn't care about the natural order of things. She cares about this family. She mourns the loss of Mary, misses the man John used to be. Mostly, she loves those boys with everything she is and is not. She watches as they grow, with her mirrors and panes and headlights, and eventually, it is Dean she loves the most. Dean takes care of her, touches her gently, talks to her like she can answer back. She bonds with him, pushes her abilities for him, because he makes it up to her time and time again. He calls her baby, and she has a name at last. The more emotion he puts into her, the more she becomes. She begins to think of herself as Pala, not just the Impala. Pala remembers how Dean rebuilt her both times she shattered. She doesn't feel pain, not exactly, not the way humans do. When Dean took a crowbar to her, that's the closest she's ever come to real hurt. But she can feel wrong. She can feel broken. She missed him when he died, then spent hours in Lisa's garage wondering if she'd pass away from loneliness while he grieved the loss of his baby brother. Dean has coaxed her back to rightness, made her whole again. He speaks her language, and Paolo wants for nothing. She knows him as well, but more than that, she knows his thoughts. She can't remember the first time she heard his innermost words, the things he keeps for himself, but she doesn't question it. She's a car that can think. How much stranger is it, really, that she can hear the things Dean keeps locked inside of himself? She doesn't have it in her to be jealous when he takes girls into her back seat and runs his hands over their curves like he does to hers, not when Pala knows all too well how lonely Dean is. It makes her curious, though, what it would feel like to be able to touch as well as be touched. She likes to imagine, sometimes, how she would look if she were like her boys instead of what she is if she were human like the girls that have laid on worn cushions and cried out their pleasure. Brunettes, blondes, redheads, pale, dark, and in between. Paola thinks she would be long, tall, she reminds herself, and curved, like the women Dean seems to favor. But she would be strong, powerful. She would be herself, but not. She can't help but wonder, year after year, what it would be like to have skin instead of vinyl, hair instead of paint, what it would be like to be a woman instead of an object. Pella is her boy's home, but she would like to be their friend. She has stories she would like to share with both. When they find the bunker, Pella sleeps surrounded by her kind who are not her kind, and she misses having her boys, especially Dean, safe inside the only embrace she can give them. She appreciates the protection from the elements. She's older, and the cold, the rain, the dust... It all does things to her it didn't used to. But she feels lonely more often. Even if she is glad they have a roof larger than her own to sleep under, she misses the closeness that came with them sinking into her cushions, relaxing into the familiar. So Pala is surprised when Dean opens her door one night and slides into the driver's seat, but does not turn the ignition. His thoughts are fuzzy, and when she focuses, she finds a bottle of whiskey his fingers wrapped around the neck. Getting tired of this shit, thinks Dean. The rest of his thoughts are less concrete, images of times past, of people lost. His sorrow and regret run so deep 
and it makes Pala ache with the need to hold him tight, the way she has seen so many women do. He stays with her for a long time, thinking with no direction. Blood, so much. Death everywhere. Ben could have been my boy. Lisa could have been my wife. Little Sammy saying his first words. Good and evil easy to spot. The taste of liquor. Until he finally gets out, closes the door, and trails his hand along her side. Night, baby. More than she ever has, Pala longs to answer him. She wants to scream, call after him, as the door to the garage shuts behind him. She feels almost human in her desperation, her frustration, wanting to be with him, to be able to love him in every way, and not be limited by a form that does not match her spirit. She's wondered before, if her sentience means she has a soul. She has always dismissed the notion. She knows she's a car. In this moment, however, Pala knows she does, because she couldn't hurt like this if she didn't. And then, pain. She's never felt it before, but she knows what she feels now is what she has only seen before on the Winchester's faces, hot and twisting, and more she doesn't have words for. Agony, bright, shifting, changing, steel giving way beneath unseen force, until Pala blinks. So, Sandra, what have uh, what have you brought for us? What uh, epic, what war and yeah. peace? I bring apologies. I bring apologies because I have a feeling that this one might be very. Well, there might be issues with this one, but I. Uh, no and apologies. I should preface no it by saying that I have not read this in quite a while. Um, but it was one of the first. It was one of the first fanfics that I read, and it did have one of those. You know, it had an effect on me when I read it. Um, and it's called Under the Hood. I think the name is the pre-experience, but I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, they have not done, um, I don't think they've done anything else outside of this. So they may have done a couple other works, but this thing is huge. And one of the problems, um, I think this is just the way it's been sectioned out is it's literally one work but there's like three books in it. So there's 88 chapters, but you'd break, you basically like break it into thirds. So it's like 20 some chapters, maybe each 30 around 30. Um, The first book is called under, under the hood, even though there's three books in it. So it's Mm -hmm. quite confusing, but I will say I loved the, idea premise and I know people have done this before where um, baby becomes a person and when I first read it I was just like what what are they doing with this what is this thing no people don't do this do they <laughs> Again, I was I knew I was that sweet summer child that did not <laughs> understand oh, what, I was, what I was getting into <laughs> you're like no no this isn't the thing and then you're yeah. like Oh no, yeah, no, it's definitely a thing. No, it's definitely a thing. But I um I will say I think the reason that I kind of thought this fit with the whole discussion and the theme of family is that we always go back to, you know, I think baby as a whole within the show kind of being that third I mean, people will say Castiel, but like family-wise growing up, like 
baby was there, you know, for Dean. Dean loved baby, you know, as a just this is like my home. This is what I can care for. This is what I can take care of, build back up. It will always be there as long as I choose. I think this is the one situation where Dean had a choice with this car. Like even though John gave it to him, he was then responsible for it and he took care of it and he loved this car. And it's a very like sentient, you know, like the the car turns sentient or the car kind of has always been in some weird way. I, I will say, I think one of the best things about it is the prologue. And I, I, um, I read that bit. I think the prologue is just like pure poetry. So if you read nothing else, or if you just listen, the prologue itself is just beautiful and how it was there for the whole Winchester family, but therefore Dean. And then something happens and baby becomes um, a car. And it's based when the boys are in the bunker. So it's like men of love. So maybe it's like season, season eight or season nine or something like that. And it does follow a lot of canon in certain bits and pieces. And then, I mean, there's a whole, like towards the end, there's a whole book three is like the whole first blade, but they switch it up and, um, I, I like that they call a baby Pala. I, I just, I have an affinity for that mm. name. It just, it's a cute, it's a cute, cute name. Um, yeah. And the character, the character is not quite a Mary Sue. Um, but I guess a little bit, you know, we're a little too good to be true, but there's so much, there's already history and backstory. Like she already knows everything pretty much about Dean. She's seen Dean do everything. You know what I mean? Like she's seen him grow mm. up. So it's a little weird. Um, it kind of has that almost like parent feel to it, but there's more. So it's definitely, there's a lot of layers to it. And again, it's probably not going to be for everybody. But the one thing I will say, just read, if you read it, just read the first one. There's no mention of Sam Winchester or Becky until the second book. And that becomes a whole thing. And that they bring that back. That I was not a fan no. of. Um, no. But I liked, I liked how much Dean was able to kind of feel like, oh, this person's here for me. This person loves me, cares for me as much as I'm, as I'm willing to give them kind of thing. And they've, they've always been there. And if they had a choice, they would always be there. Um, things take a turn for the worse at the end of book one. But then, like I said, they, they try to, they go through a whole bunch of stuff, but I, I just liked the I like the relationship, you know, and the learning in it. So that's kind of, I would say I totally get it. If you like read one chapter, like that's it. And the first few chapters are cute and sweet. And then when they finally get together, it's like, it's slow burn. So you, it's like, you're going to wait a while until it happens. So I'm probably not selling it as much as I should, but I'm just giving you like the, this is one of my first ones. And I just, it always sticks in my head that, you know, this is kind of what gave me an interest in reading more and seeing what other people pulled out of supernatural. So yeah, that's, but I, I really do the, the prologue is beautiful. The prologue is just a beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, no, 
I'm not gonna lie, I'm reading, I'm reading through it, just reading through the pro- prologue now, and it's oh man, I'm so in. Mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm so in, guys. Honestly, like usually what happens is um see what happens is we put we plan these episodes and then we plan what fix we're gonna bring, and then you see what happens is I don't read what Sandra brings because I'm a terrible, terrible human. And to be honest, to be honest, like I will take 98% of the blame, but sometimes we don't say what we're bringing until right. yeah. the last minute. Like yeah. for this episode, we, I like, had no time I, to prep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't put my, um, my recommendation in until yesterday afternoon. I think I did so, the same thing. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes Sandra's really on the ball and yeah. I'm a garbage human, but sometimes we're running late, right? Yeah. Sometimes life. But, it just happens. Yeah. But honestly, I I love, I love this section because when you're selling me your stories, like 99% of the time I've not read them and I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like the um, professional distance one, you were selling that one to me and I was like, I have to read this immediately. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. And I was up <laughs> to like 1am reading that story that night, like Jesus Christ. Come on now, the zipper, the zipper. Was that not like the hottest thing? Yes. (laughs) And I'm just like, you're selling this one and just being like, look, if you read nothing else, read the prologue. It's fucking great. And like, you remember how I'm sure it's the final episode. I'm sure it's Swan Song um, where Chuck's narrating Mm -hmm. the life life story of the Impala Mm -hmm. and her being her being made. I'm sure it's Swan Song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I'm, I'm reading this. I'm reading this one. Uh, guys, please. It's so much fucking better. It's so much better as like a detail of like, here is this car that started life as a car. Mm-hmm. And then here's she became a home and a family and a comfort. This one's so much better. It's <laughs> so much better, guys. Totally with Sandra. If you just like, just go read like the first, the first three paragraphs and you'll be like, holy shit, I have to read all of this now. Thank you. And probably at this point, if they've, the the way I, the way I, I put these together, if they've listened to the podcast up to this point, I've read the entire prologue. Cause I was like, I'm just going to read the whole thing because it was just, it was just awesome. It was, it was, it was one of those experiences where I read something and I was like, you get the tingles. I don't know if that happens to you, but like your body just yes. starts like physically reacting to it. And I'm like, emotions yes. are coming up that should not come up as I'm reading something about a car. <laughs> and that's yep. what was happening with me when I was reading that. So um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really, I, like I said, it made an impact on me. So I would say, give it a try. I totally get it if it's not your thing, but yeah, I would say you're good up until if you're, if you are like most of us, where you really don't find a way to redeem Becky, you're Becky. probably not going to at all um, go for the pairing of Sam and Becky. Um, it's just not going to be a thing. Now, I'm sure there might be somebody out there, you know, apparently this, this writer di- did, and I, I think did a good job in, you know, bringing that story, but it's just not something that I, I jive with. So I would say, the under the hood one and maybe the third one, but there's still Sam and Becky well, interjected in there. So she's I was still gonna like a say, thing. Could you jump? Could you jump the second one? You could skip like the this- second one, but you'd have to know that there's a Becky in the third one. Um, okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to be honest. I, th- I think I'm just going to not. Just, 
Yeah. Or just, just read the first one, you know, if, if you yeah. have time. But like I said, it's, it's I definitely an investment. Yeah. It's an investment, but um, it sounds like it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Well it, it is heartbreaking towards the end though. I will say. Oh, yeah. Man. I'm just, I'm just telling you it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. So just, just, just to qualify it for my own, my own peace of mind. There, there is no Manchu car action. She turns into a people. She turns into a people. Yes. And okay, I don't good. even know how that would, I don't even want to like, do I even want to know? Are there, are there fictions? Oh, that... my sweet, sweet, <laughs> so much child. child. Yes. Yes, there are. <laughs> uh, we should, we should probably wrap this up. Yes, we, we should, should probably wrap this up. Just yeah. out there for listeners. We apologize for the length of the episodes. Well, we do and we don't. Cause what <laughs> happened was we started out and we were like, yeah, about 45 minutes, like 45, 50 minutes. That's going to be like peak. Mm-hmm. podcast time mm-hmm. that's going to be like the best time and then you see what happened we've been averaging yeah it's about an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes because then plus when I put when yeah. I put my readings in there too it ends up it ends up pushing it because sometimes I read a little bit more sometimes I read a little bit less it just depends um because yeah. like a shorter ones I don't want to necessarily read the whole thing because again like we're giving you stuff that we want you to go and read that authors have taking the time to work on, but also like, we're sort of just giving you a taste of it because it's like our recommendation. It's not like we've gotten like, oh yeah, go ahead, read, read my whole thing. I'd love it if you do that. So it's, it's along those lines of recommendations. So I kind of feel like, well, maybe I should just read this much of it, you know, and not go whole hog, even though I might really love. So I kind of go by length of it, if that makes sense, you know, as to how much I think I can read. Um, So I do apologize because I know I've read more of like, yeah, I have a great dean. That was a really long read, but I just really loved that. So I couldn't oh, stop. That was, that was another one as well. Sandra brought that to a recording and I was like, hello, I have to go read this. <laughs> so that was good. So, I mean, like, give, give us some feedback, people. Give us some feedback. If you prefer the longer sort of like hour and a half, hour and 40 minute length, let us know. If you'd be like, I'm trying to listen to you guys on my commute and I get like please right stop. to the good <laughs> shit and then I, I'm pulling into work. Please stop that. <laughs> Let us know and we'll, um, I'll, I don't know, I'll buy a ball gag or something. Like, we'll take drastic measures. Sandra will set a timer. Uh, yeah, something. I think we, we may have to do that at some point. Or just know that, you know, we do try to break it up. So if we are having a discussion about something in particular, we'll have our discussion first. And then we usually segue into cannon fodder. So if you need a break, there'll be a little, usually a little break, you know, would be like where a cannon fodder stops. And then you could pick it up at some point later on. But if you'd like us to try to read more of other authors, let us know, because then maybe we will reach out and say, hey, we're doing this thing. Would you like us to yeah. read your, you know, would you like us to turn it into a pod fic? And kind of, we can maybe we try saw, to do that. We saw y'all, we uploaded Need, and we saw y'all going crazy for it. We were like, <laughs> we were exchanging stats before we started recording here, because I do, I do some some of the uploading stuff and Sandra does some of the other. So I was like, hey, have you checked the stats on Blighty Black? Because I've got these stats. What have you got? And we were compared. Yeah, we know y'all loved it. So let us know. Because like, of course, we can, we can use our own stuff. But if there's a fic wreck that you think, God, I'd really love to hear Sandra read that all the way through because she's fucking awesome at it. <laughs> she is. She's giggling now self-consciously, <laughs> but she is. And I told y'all that we're at the start of Need you know, let us know. And then we can reach out to the authors of these fic recommendations and be like, hey, we would like to please do this, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, um, let us, give us some feedback, people. 
like uh, episode length, um, more thick readings, less thick readings. I don't think you want less thick readings, but just in case. Yeah, Feed could be a thing. Us. Could be a thing. We could definitely like if we have to tell, you know, curtail stuff, we can definitely do that. Um, so where they can find us. Um, so if yep. you're interested in our babbling and would like our babbling to continue or you have recommendations or you'd like to just tell us to just, what is it sawed off? What What's what's the term? <laughs> what's a good term? Like, just go, go get bent. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you want to tell us to just sod off and just be like, guys, I mean, we're not, we're, we're making this podcast for fun. So we're going to keep ranting and, you know, rambling about it. You, can't you can tell us that, that. We, we're, we're probably not going to listen, but you could tell us that that would be fine. Um, so yeah. Constructive, something... constructive criticism though, guys, like criticism. rain the, the episode length in, or we'd really like to hear Sandra do some full thick readings or we'd like more thick readings, you know, or more cannon fodder, less cannon fodder, whatever, put a timer on the episode discussions so we don't ramble for over an hour. You know, we're going to try to be better know. in the next one. I think we'll be able to, we'll see. The next one that we do, I think, not that it's going to be in line with whatever we schedule, but the next time, the next topic that we're set to record may yeah. not go as long. I think I might put us, I might put a timer on us for that one. Just <laughs> yeah, the next, the next, the next one we record, this one's been kind of heavy. So the next yeah, one we record so it's definitely won't it's be as heavy. Yeah. So if you'd like to reach us, um, you can email us at idlinginthimpala at gmail.com. Our Twitter is idling in the letter D, Impala. You can reach me on AO3. My username is Drasna, D-R-A-S-N-A. On Twitter, I am S. Kyle Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And if you'd like to read some of my original fiction, or learn a little bit more about me, you can visit my website at sandrakyle.com. Yes, and you should do all of those things. Visit her website. She writes original fiction, and it's great. You should you should do all of the things, guys. So uh, I won't make the usual joke this, this week. Uh, if you want Aww. to find me. <laughs> okay, fine. Sandra's the organized one, and I'm the agent of chaos, but not in this one particular area. In this one tiny niche area, I have my ducks in line, and she's all over the show, okay? So if you want to find me, I'm Carly Karma on AO3. Again, unless you're a longtime listener, however you think that might be spelled, it's not. So that's K for Kilo, A for Alpha, R for Romeo, L for Lima, E for Echo, E for Echo, Karma, as you would spell it normally. Interesting fact here, I had to spell that out to somebody at work the other day. And they went, I, so she said to me, can I take your name? And I went, yes, of course, it's Carly. And then she clarified that it wasn't Karen, because I get that so much. And I'm like, there's no N. And she went, is that with a C? And I went, no. So the K. And she went, all right, okay. So she started right now and she was telling me, she was like, K A L Y. And I went, nope, double A. And she was like, oh, that's really unusual. And I was like, yeah, you were completely wrong, like all the way across the board, babes. Obviously, didn't say the last bit to her. But yeah, so AO3, Carly Karma. I'm exactly the same on Twitter, Carly Karma. It's the same profile picture in both places in case you think, hey, I wonder if there's two people with a weird name out there. Nope, it's me. And yeah, reach out, give us some feedback, give us some love. If you uh, have been intrigued by any of our fic recommendations, go give the author some love. The links will be in the description below. Yes. And my husband did point out to me that you may want to stick around because there's a little bit of an outro after this. So even though you think we're saying goodbye, it's almost like we have a little, um, a little bit extra that we put. So just like we had a beginning intro, 
there's a little outro at the end. So just maybe hang around for another 30 seconds after we say goodbye. Absolutely. So hang around for that and we will see you in the next episode. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Three different types of pie can't tear him away from the television, nothing will. God, I hope the movie's done by now. All I know is I am deserving of some hair care tonight. By hair care, you mean running your fingers all through Sam's. Absolutely. Well, baby's back safe and sound, and we've got some boys to see. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Who knows? Maybe next time we'll give you the keys to take her for a spin. Where's the pie? Look at these chemicals. You even read the label? No, I read pie. The rest is just blah, blah, blah.